three, two, one. Thank you for joining us for the Welcome to the Hall podcast, courtesy of the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame and the El Paso Sports Commission. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the best of the best from past inductees into your El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. Welcome to the Hall, ladies and gentlemen, another edition of the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame, talking to well-known individuals that are inducted in the Hall of Fame and none better than the gentleman we're talking to now. As a person I've always called the most innovative coach we've ever had in the city of El Paso in high school football, and that's Tom Work. Hello, Mr. Work. How you doing? I'm doing great, Wayne. You're going to make me blush, but thank you so much, and I'm, I'm honored to be with you. It's uh, very exciting. I know I go back to the time when Time Warner was doing high school football games, and I tell you what, it was nothing better than going to Riverfront Stadium at that time to be able to witness front and center the Riverside High School football team coached by you. Well, those were some great memories, and I, I remember you guys. I've got my mom taped probably everything that ever came on television about the Rangers, and I've got so many old VCR videos of you and. Papa Joel and, and Steve and oh, just everybody that, that came and did our games. And it's, uh, you know, it's such a great memory that I'll, I'll never forget. It was so much fun. But thank you for what you've done all these years and still doing. That's what's amazing. Well, thank you very much. I know Joe Fan, Tom Chaburi, likes to give a shout-out to you as well. I talked to him and told him you were going to come on the podcast today as well. Well, I, I, I've neglected to mention him, and I'm no, going to no. shoot myself because, yeah, he's – he was one of the best, and he's still. Uh, yeah, I had a birthday on Tuesday, and he sent me a happy birthday notice. And he's he did some incredible stories about the Rangers, and man, he was something special. And yeah, all you guys, I I love the media. I, I don't know, you know, how they can start saying fake news about everything these days, but <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> you guys were the, you're still the best. I mean, I had more fun talking to media people than doing many other things. I mean, I just uh, really enjoyed and appreciated everything you guys did. And you bring up a good point because of the media. You embraced the media while you were the high school football coach, and you understood how important it was to get your team out there front and center, and the best way to do that was through the media. Well, you know, I think back a lot. You do that when you get old, I guess. But I was pretty outrageous with some of the things I said and did for sure, but – you know, I was working with a group of kids that hadn't had a lot of success and we believed in them and, and we, we wanted them to feel about themselves, how we felt about them. And we made some bold claims and some bold statements. And we, we, uh, don't apologize for that. Riverside Rangers became a, a force to be reckoned with because, you know, we had the confidence to, you know, to say, come get some or, you know, things like that. We just, uh, embraced, the. Uh, the challenge and I'm, I'm real proud of the way everybody conducted themselves. But, you know, I look back and I was probably a pretty immature guy that uh, infuriated some people sometimes, but it's amazing. The coaches that we competed with. So, it, I mean, there were some tough rivalries and, you know, some antagonistic rivalries, but a lot of those guys that we really disliked as, as combatants, are now good friends of mine. <laughs> you, yeah. you make a lot more friends when you're not doing it than when you're in the in the arena. And I'm just sometimes I'm embarrassed at, at some of the things. But you know what? There was a we had a, a good reason for what we did, and we, you know, the execution probably wasn't great all the time. But I've apologized more times than I can like to remember about certain things. But I, I'm proud of what we accomplished, and and 
for the most part, how we accomplished it. Definitely so. In 15 years at Riverside as the head football coach started off in 1992. And uh, who was the biggest rivalry you had when you were there at Riverside? Well, we we took a lot of time trying to convince people that Isleta was not the pride of the valley, that we were the real pride of the valley. So when you're a mile down the road from each other, of course that's going to be a huge rivalry. And the, the first year I was uh, – the first year we were in 4A, you know, we dropped down from 5A to 4A in 96, and they beat us that first year. And we, we still won district because they lost a couple games after that, but they beat us, and that was a, an incredible game. And we actually won the next 14, I believe, and so we, we kind of cemented ourselves as what we felt like was the, the true pride of the Valley. But there are two. I mean, those kids are the same kind of kids and same kind of values, and they work hard too, but that was a natural geographic rivalry. Parkland became our biggest rival because they were the best team behind us and, and were so athletic and so competitive. And, you know, they didn't care for us much. And some of those guys had been at Riverside for a long time. And so that was a great rivalry. But I think the, the one that I always get a kick out of was, you know, back then when we were 4A and, and, had dropped down and everybody would say, yeah, well, we won all these games and championships because we don't play the big boys. And, and we actually did. We played five, eight teams in the non-district games. And so the, the big one was the Franklin deal. Who's better Franklin or Riverside. And then the last year I coached, I remember Tony wanted to play at the, at the Sun Bowl. And I said, no, let's do a home and home because I knew I was probably going to not be coaching the following year. So we played at Riverside and beat Franklin. <laughs> so I had a method to my madness, but so we beat Franklin and kind of sh- shut that talk up for a while about, you know, we couldn't compete with the big guys. And they they were a great program. And I know Tony's in the Hall of Fame now, Tony Grijalvin. Great man and, and great coach and, uh, you know, what a program. But, yeah, rivalries in El Paso are kind of like no other. I mean, every neighborhood has so much pride. And you better be ready to play every Friday night because you're going to get somebody's best game. And it's uh, it was a lot of fun for sure. Definitely so. Again, Tom Work joining us, ladies and gentlemen, on the Welcome to the Hall podcast for the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. And early on, let's go back in the day. Where did you go to elementary school? Were you born in El Paso? Wayne, my dad was a lieutenant colonel in the Army, and he he was stationed out of White Sands Missile Range. And then he retired and was working civil service, working on missiles out there. So I actually started at, at White Sands Elementary School. And then they kicked all the civilians off the base. And so we had to move to either El Paso or Las Cruces, and, and my dad chose El Paso. And I ended up um, going to Urban High School. I, I actually uh, went to Edgar Park Elementary starting in yeah. the first grade. Yeah, I was right off back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. had so many great memories of Edgar Park Elementary. Then I went to McGoffin Middle School. They didn't have... Um, I don't even know what the middle school is now up on the hill. Canyon Hills wasn't there at the time. Yeah, so I went to McGoffin and then went to Irvin. And I've got some big shoes to fill because I, I heard uh, Jennifer's podcast the other day. And then I was listening to Ed Stansberry last night. And you're the, I'm the third Irvin Rocket you've had on there. Wow. Uh, and uh, Norman Phillips was my track coach. I heard you talking about Coach Phillips. Yeah. Greatest track coach ever. He was, I was a long jumper. In high school and middle school, I, I actually uh, was the city long jump champ in eighth grade. I brag about that and people make fun of me, but I jumped 18 feet in eighth grade. And as a senior in high school, I was only jumping 19 feet. So I don't know what happened, but 
I'll never forget one of my classmates, Dennis Deloach, oh, was a national. Dennis was a national record holder in the high jump at six ten when he was sixteen years old. And so my senior year in track, I was still long jumping, and Coach Phillips said, "Dennis, come run down this runway and see how far you can jump." And he went three quarter speed down the runway and popped a twenty two foot jump. And I decided to quit track and go clean pavilions over in Northeast for the parks and rec department. And that was the end of my track career. But Dennis was such an amazing athlete. But yeah, I was a Northeast guy for my whole growing up years. And then uh, how did you gravitate toward football? Well, I played football uh, in middle school. I didn't, I didn't play my freshman or sophomore year. I was five foot two, I believe. And then I, uh, I played all the sports. I liked basketball. I was a point guard on McGoffin's basketball team that went 0 and 12. And, uh, my dad, my dad, it was a baseball coach. My dad was a coach and he's the one that kind of got me started in athletics. And he has a baseball field named after him out at Skyline Youth Park, Ralph Work baseball field. And he was a hard guy. He was tough on me. And so he made me hate baseball. And so, cause he, he was, uh, he was pretty intense. And so I gravitated to football and I got bigger in, uh, in high school when I was a junior and senior and I ended up playing for some amazing coaches. Ron Logback was my head coach, but Neil Billingsley, I still remember his, him as one of the great guys that I've, I've ever known. He and everybody that played for coach Billingsley. I was a JV player for him. Uh, feels the same way, but he, he was an amazing man. He was coaching up at Plainview and still helps out there. You know, he's in his eighties now and still around the game. And you know, I still stay in touch with him, but yeah, football, was something I just, everybody was doing. My friend Rick Merrill was a quarterback as a sophomore on the varsity. And so I, you know, we'd play street football every day when we come home, there was 10 or 12 of us playing out. It's not like today. Nobody was inside. I mean, we were all outside playing basketball or street football or something and just stayed busy with athletics. And I guess that's how it all started. And after you graduated from high school, what was next? Well, I went to UT. I always wanted to go to UT. I don't know why. I'd never seen it, but, you know, I always wanted to be a Longhorn. I guess the logos and, and that kind of mystique is what attracted me to that. And I, you know, I, you had to have a thousand SAT and I didn't get a thousand on my SAT. So I was going to figure out what to do. And so I ended up taking it again and made a high enough score to where I could go. And, and I, uh, changed majors three or four times. And it, it's amazing. I, I was going to write history books. I, I became, I got a bachelor's in history and fell in love with, with history. And, um, but you can't make a lot of money, you know, writing history books if you're just out of college. So I got a second teaching field, health education. And, uh, it's a crazy story. how I got back to El Paso. I had gotten an offer in Dayton, Texas, and, uh, I was going to sign the contract and I had been communicating with this letter district and finally I walked out the door of my apartment I heard the phone ring and it was Maurice Fitzgerald and he said hey if you gotta you know if you want to come back to El Paso I've got a job for you at Beller High School teaching health education and I said that's great I, I would I'll be back in a minute and so I went back and worked for one of the great Hall of Fame legendary coaches ever, Coach Bob Savage. Well, Mr. Fitzgerald told me I've got an after-school assignment for you, and I said, that's that's fine. I figured it'd be study hall or detention or something. He said, freshman football. And I said, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not coaching certified. I don't have that certification. He said, well, back in the day, I guess you didn't have to. He said, I think you'll be all right. So I started as a freshman assistant coach back then, and 
you know, I hadn't had a haircut in a while, and Coach Savage looked at me like I was from another planet, and he wasn't happy. But then we were losing our first game, and the other coach, freshman coach, said, I don't care much about this rah-rah stuff if you want to say something to him. And I I took it personally. I kind of got after him, and we, we came back and won the game. And Bill Parsons, who was an assistant on that varsity staff, told Coach Savage, hey, I think we've got ourselves a coach. And, you know, it started there, and I have nothing but love for Bel Air and, and the years I spent eight years there with Coach Savage and Lou James, another Hall of Fame coach, and kind of uh, cut my teeth in coaching by learning the Bel Air system and how they did things and the way they did things. Coach Savage, you showed up on time. You tucked your shirt in. You said, yes, sir, no, sir. And, yeah, we uh, we did things the right way, and they had tremendous success back in the day. And then I followed Coach James over to Riverside and was fortunate to be blessed with some great <laughs> people on the field and in the classroom and in the building and just, uh, you know, they say it takes a village, but I was lucky to land in a pretty special village. Definitely. So, you know, you talked about Lou James, what a decorated career he had as coach and also as an athlete, but even more so, have you ever had this barbecue? I used to work with him. Oh, yeah, I was, God. I was, uh, yeah, we used to do the urban football banquet and we would take barbecue over there. Tony Shaw used to, to have him do the barbecue and, so I'd be behind the tables, you know, making sure they didn't get too much. You know, the serving <laughs> guys want to want to eat all the barbecue. But yeah, <laughs> I think a couple of times they got us. We had to go over to Smokies or whatever it was over there and grab some work as we ran out. But yeah, he just barbecue. He had a he actually ended up opening a barbecue joint or more than once out there on Montana, I think, or Pelican. I'm not sure where, but yeah, he's yeah, I know his barbecue well for sure. Now, what are you doing now? funny you ask Wayne well I just got off the tennis court <laughs> I'm not doing much yeah I'm uh yeah in fact uh I've been playing uh pretty regularly I play well four or five three four to five times a week and awesome. that, you know you can't really get all that competitiveness out of you so I've been playing a lot um got a lot of time on my hands I was working at big sporting goods I really liked the job uh over in Cedar Park because I got to be around a lot of kids that work there and kids that come in to get fitted for equipment and stuff. I was in the team sports division, but COVID kind of got me uh, off of that train. I just, uh, you know, I hang out with my tennis buddies. There's four or five of us out here where I live in a little town outside Cedar Park, Lago Vista, and I just don't feel comfortable being around folks. So I've been on a furlough for about eight months now and I'm about to drive my wife nuts, but she's still working. She works at a, a charter school, Wayside School down in South Austin. So it's kind of a good life. She leaves in the morning, comes home late at night, and I get to play around all day. And I think it's about to come to the, an end, though, because I just got uh, scheduled for my vaccine. And so hopefully I can start having a normal life again. I'm diabetic, and as you know, I'm rather old. And so um, I've been nervous about going back out into the world. But um, next Thursday, I'm going to have my first vaccine. And so I'm excited about that and get things going again. I've got family here. My two daughters, one lives in Pflugerville, one lives in South Austin, and they're both married with uh, my, my oldest one has two of my two grandkids, Cora, who's two and Zeke, we call him after Zeke Elliott from the Cowboys. Cause he loves his football too, but his name is Logan Warren and he's the apple of my eyes. Those two kids are something special, but and man, we'll see him as much as we'd like because of this, but hopefully we'll get back to doing that. Now, you were inducted into the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame in 2010. 
And who went in with you was Benny Brooks, a longtime track and field coach here in El Paso. And Ernest Bernard Polk, who at that time was the president of the Hall of Fame. Mona Loper went in with you, uh, along with Diana Proud and the Forsley. I'm sorry, Diana was 2011, but uh, it was a small class in yours. There's only five people. It was a, no, no, there was there were the oh, baseball wait. guys. Oh yeah. yeah, oh Butch Henry, Butch Henry. Yeah, and Alan Zinter, both of those guys. Alan Zinter the, is amazing at Hanks, and then you have Eastwood's Butch Henry, right? Yeah, in fact, my daughter I think went to school with Alan Zinter, and, and Butch Henry used to hang out with the guy that lived across the street from me, so I know Butch real well. But the one I was fired up about was sitting right next to me up on the podium was Sarah Walker. She exactly. she was a amazing tennis player at UCLA, I guess. And her dad is the tennis legend. And what was so impressive about that class was she was a third generation hall of famer. I think her dad or grandfather's Goldfarb. I think yes. Bobby Goldfarb, maybe exactly. he's in the hall of fame as well. You're exactly right. Yeah. She was the third person in that family to, and that's just, Wow, something special. But yeah, I, I got to talk to her about some tennis stuff, which is kind of fun. But um, yeah, I was honored and blessed. And the biggest blessing was being nominated by Jesse Perales, who, you know, we were mortal combatants our whole career. And then after I retired, his best friend, Ron Vicencio, was my best friend, Steve Vicencio's brother. And I used to see Jesse, and it was kind of like, you know. And then after I retired, we became real close and talked about all our combats and so forth and and now he's he's such a great friend in fact i went up uh not this season but the season before for a state tennis tournament in dallas and i had friday night off and i told these guys hey i'm gonna go watch my friend he's at name and forest now and mike deals there with them and he's such a great el paso athlete and coach and and there's he's got some ut guys on the staff well they had a lightning delay so i went down on the field and uh got to hang out with jesse and mike deal and he said, you know what, Coach, I feel so good about this. They had, they were 0-4, and they actually beat a really good team. And so I stayed around after the game, and we took pictures with the Deal family and the Perales family, and they said, hey, I'm, we're going to post these on Facebook. And I thought, man, I need to learn about this Facebook stuff. And <laughs> I'm still learning. I think I posted two things in two years, but I, I sure like looking at everybody's stuff now. <laughs> I'm kinda, uh, my family jokes with me about my lack of technology skills, but I, I have a lot of Facebook friends now and, and Jesse's one of them. And I'm always looking at what he's doing at Mike deal is his son. And I've told this to more than one person was the best football athlete receiver I've seen in years. And I've seen a lot of them, but he was, he got a full ride to Tulane, but Devin deal is the real deal. He's going to be a great college football player. And then, Mike's other son, Marcus, was just uh, picked as the fourth best defensive tackle in the state, and he's only a sophomore this year. So he's, those bloodlines are something special. But great, great time, great friends, and Jesse nominating me was really special. He's a Hall of Fame coach for sure when he's done. Yeah, if you see Mr. Dill, I'll give him my best because his dad was a very instrumental in a lot of youth being able to play football because he coached so many years for all those youth football teams, and uh, what a great man he was until he passed away. I did not know that. Yeah, I will definitely share that with Mike. And yeah, his his wife is wonderful too. I think she was a coach and great family, great people. Definitely so. Now, yourself, 2018, they named that particular field where you had all your success, Riverfront Stadium, after you, Tom Work. What was that like? Well, Wayne, I think they listened to all your 
broadcast from Riverfront Stadium because <laughs> I think you were my biggest cheerleader for that. But that was life changing. It was something I didn't expect at all. And you know, Jorge Acosta, community member Charlie Bustillos, who played for us, Charlie De La Rosa, all the all those guys got together, and I actually came home from. Dick Sporting Goods one night, my wife had a big sign in the entry said Tom Work Riverfront Stadium. I said, that's interesting. <laughs> what are you talking about? And then she put me on the phone with these guys and I was just crying, bawling like a baby. It's just, but you know, Wayne, I get credit for what a whole lot of people did to, to create success. I mean, I, I mean it. Our, our players were second to none. We, we had guys that believed they had so much confidence and there was so much love in that program that everybody, you, you have to have everybody working and pulling in the same direction. And we did more than any place I can ever imagine. The kids, the coaches, the administration, the, the fans, you know, the, the community was just on fire for Ranger football. They really were. They were just over the moon about what we were doing. And, and as a coach, you can't help but be over the moon about it too because it's you see how it transforms a place and it's just a magical feeling to be able to be a part of that but i i reap the benefit by having my name put on a stadium that should have had a whole bunch of names that were just as important as mine it's just an incredible honor and i'm humbled and i don't know if i'm worthy but i'm you know i'm gonna appreciate it and thank them for it and and love every minute of it but thank you because you i think (laughs) an awful lot to do with that too. And you know, it's weird. Cause I, I look at all the people that are in the hall of fame and you know, you've nominated half of them because you know more about athletics in El Paso than anybody. And you know who the movers and shakers are. And, and I don't know if you've ever gotten the credit for being the icon of El Paso sports that you are. I mean, Don Haskins, yeah, everybody knows, but man, uh, you're one a, I believe <laughs> or one B cause you are, well, Wayne, I, I'm not the only one. Everybody knows that, but I just felt it needed to be said, but I can't thank you. I mean, you got me coming back and, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of people that live around here, so I don't get to talk that much. So I might still be going in about five hours when we're off the air and you won't be able to get rid of me. But no, I've always wanted to, to let you know how important you've been in my life and how meaningful it's been to call you a friend. And I, I appreciate you so much. Thank you, Mr. Work. And, you know, Riverfront Stadium, did you name that stadium before it became your named after you? Oh, Wayne, he would ask me to go back and jog my memory, but I don't, I don't believe I did. I don't, you know, I, I, I will take credit for Midnight Madness. Got that from Neil McCarthy at New Mexico State. You know, it's, it's kind of, but the Riverfront Stadium, I'm not sure who that was. People have asked me that or told me that before, but I can't. I can't take credit for that. I'm not sure who it was, honestly. It's like the Big Red at Bel Air. They always fight about who who named Bel Air Big Red. I don't I don't know. You know, I was there when that was going on, but I remember calling it Riverfront. But I'm not sure I'm the one that came up with that idea. If people want to say I did, I'll I'll stick my chest out. But probably not. I'm thinking that it was before me. I'm I'm guessing maybe. I don't know. But, uh, but that was a good question. We do give you credit as far as Midnight Madness you mentioned, and I remember those times when first day of football season when you could practice, and here comes Tom Works' team, Midnight. They're coming out on the field ready to go before anybody else. Well, that was our that was our motto. You know, first one on the field, last one off. Our big goal was, you know, when I got the job, back to the bull. Riverside had been to 
assemble in 85 and got beaten up by Andrews 50 to 12. And so we had always had a dream to go back to assemble and win a game. And, and so, yeah, I, I said, you know, if we're playing and, and then after that, it was Texas stadium. Our big dream was to go to Texas stadium. Again, Andrews had been there in the nineties maybe, or no, I don't know. Seventies, eighties. I think. Yes. Yeah. But, but yeah. And so we wanted to go to Texas stadium and, and, that was a major goal, and we accomplished that. We, we won back-to-back area championships, first team in town to do that. A couple of them have done it now because football has gotten so good in El Paso lately. But, yeah, so, you know, that was the whole thinking, be the first one on the field and the last one off the field. And, and it worked out most years. We, we were. We were the last one playing. But like everybody else, we would lose in the area round. I think we lost seven area round games before we won two in a row. And a lot, a lot of El Paso teams are winning area round games now, so that's a really good thing. But yeah, that's that was the idea behind that. Yeah, and you know Scott Brooks at Kenny Teal, what a great job they did the year that they got all the way up too. And you know, as you said, football has improved so much in El Paso. But when you talk about your team, that 2004 team that went to uh, all the way to Texas Stadium, but you know, you had all those great teams. Of course, Coach, you had uh, the Jordan brothers, all different. Uh, level of athletes that you've had, the great quarterbacks and all the things that you did with your coordinators who went on to become big time coaches as well. But you know, what do you take with you from Riverside as a head coach from all those many years that you were so productive? That's a tough question to answer briefly, Wayne, because there's so much, I mean, that school defined me. Yeah. uh, You know, the, the whole community defined us. I mean, the, the coaches you talk about, I was, I was thinking the other day, our two, our 1993 coaching staff at one time, Chuck Valise was coaching receivers at UTEP. Kirk Martin was coaching quarterbacks at Syracuse. Jeff Grimes was the offensive coordinator at BYU. We had three coaches coaching in college and I was working at Dick Sporting Goods for minimum wage. <laughs> I like to tell people that, make them laugh. And they say, yeah, but you had a lot less stress than them. And I say, yeah, and I was doing it because I wanted to. But I was, that's what I mean when I talk about, and those weren't the only three. We just had an amazing, you know, Eric Franz was an assistant coach. who's now a great head coach. Uh, Ruben Rodriguez was a player and then a coach and now a great head coach. JJ Calderon is now an athletic director. The thing I take away that makes me more proud than anything is how many in that program as players, coaches, or whatever have gone on to do amazing things. I mean, we have an amazing number of kids who are now coaching the Lopez brothers, DJ, Adam, Justin, they're all coaching in the Metroplex and they're all coaching with great programs. Adam Lopez is coaching with Randy Allen at Highland park. You know, DJ just got the head softball job at Lucas Lovejoy, and, and that's a great softball program. And it, and it's family too. They were always brothers and cousins and nephews and uncles, and and it was just such a family love affair. And and the Jordans, like you said, and the Gonzaleses and the Samaniegos. Wow, what a family they were! But it's just such a love affair with with that community with so many people that had so many connections and it's, it was, it was administration too, just some great administrators. And I'm so proud that the coach at Riverside, Gary recorder now was one of our players and, and an assistant coach. And now he's, 
he's having a ranger renaissance again. I mean, they, it's the same situation we were in. We dropped down to class and dominated. And now Riverside lost even more enrollment and dropped down a class and they're dominating. They're going to be so good for so long. But, you know, and Gary's, Gary's staff is all Rangers and it's kind of a neat thing to watch how it's, it's coming back and, and it's the same kind of thing. But yeah, it's just, there's so much pride about what accomplished, what we accomplished. And, and we is the emphasis because there were so many, so many people that were involved and, it's the great thing about being an older, older guy now is I still am able to stay in contact. I got so many messages from people this past week and it was just made me cry. You know, it's not hard to do these days when you get old, that happens a lot, Wayne, but I just, I think back at what an awesome thing it was, but you know, I cry also about the kids we lost two of two of my greatest Memories are our kids that passed away. We had a Danny Cortez on that 93-94 team that was an amazing young man that passed away coming back from the Coast Guard in a car accident. We dedicated, we made an award in his honor and gave it to a kid every year who who, who, de- who demonstrated the Danny Cortez spirit. Roger Morales was our quarterback the year we were, we went back-to-back area championships. He was killed in a car accident, doing nothing wrong, sitting in the back seat and hit a pole and broke his neck and passed away and most amazing family ever. His, his little brother played for Riverside and his dad and his uncle and his mom. You know, I still go and see them all when I go back because we made the Roger Morales heart and soul award and we gave, we put memorial lockers in the locker room. But that's the thing that hurts is the kids you develop relationships with that are no longer here that you love and wish they could have gotten to, to fulfill the dreams of living a full life. But they changed my life. Those guys made me appreciate, you know, what, what life is all about. And, and I miss them every day. And I I miss, they're not the only ones. We lost Joe Guzman, who was a defensive tackle. That was a a wonderful player. Ezra Castro was a center on our first district championship. And against, we beat Burgess and Ezra was the first one ran on the field and we were dancing around together. Ezra was Pancho Villa, who was the mascot for the Buffalo Bills. And he passed away from cancer. I went up to Dallas to see him before he died. And his son is, is now little Pancho Villa. And, and he was at the Buffalo Bills games this year and leading the cheers and doing all that. But I'm, I'm so proud that his memory has been kept alive. And the Buffalo quarterback was wearing a jacket with Pancho Villa on the back. And his little boy is the new one and going to carry on that tradition. But so many great things were accomplished by so many Rangers. And it, and it just, you know, it breaks your heart that all of them aren't still with us, but I love them all. And I will always love them all because they, they made my life so, so meaningful and so rewarding. But, you know, it's just hard to put into words, Wayne. I'm sorry I, I went on, but that's kind of how I feel. That's all right, coach. And of course we're down to the last three questions as we wrap this up before we go on. I just want to mention the fact that, uh, I mean, you had four seasons where you were undefeated. You had 10 uh, people don't realize this nine district championships, but even more importantly, 10 by district championships. You mentioned the area championships and you know, I, I remember going into your locker room and you were one of the first, if not the first in El Paso to have college style, a locker room in terms of your athletes where they changed to go to practice. Those locker rooms you had were immaculate. And then what was even more, now tell me if this is myth or legend. Okay. 
The thing is that there's a church across from Riverside. And the front, remember when you got those new field houses, the front door of the field house was positioned so that it, when it opened up, it was facing that church. Myth or legend? Well, I, I don't know if it was intentionally done, but it, it is, that is, you know, our, our locker room where we run out on the field also faces the church. That, that church, well, you know, it's not only the church, it's a star on the mountain. I mean, the first thing you, you see when you come out of the locker room is a star on the mountain. The first thing you see from the stands is a star on the mountain. And we always, Harry Stone was, I always thought was the most professional announcer in town. But every, every game he would say, we want to thank the El Paso Electric Company for lighting the Ranger star on the mountain. And everybody would go crazy. It was great. But yeah, that church, uh, we used to go to mass there on Fridays in the morning. And it was, uh, it was, uh, very meaningful because, you know, my life was changed by Jeff Grimes, who's the BYU offensive coordinator. I, you know, I got baptized and accepted Christ in 1993 and, and became a man of faith. And, you know, after all my faithful coaches left, I kind of became a backslider, but I guess that happens a lot, but I still am a believer and I, I've seen miraculous things happen in my life and on that football field. I mean, I could go on and on about that, but faith and, and belief is a very big part of our program success and, and always was, but that church and its location to the football field, I mean, that's what you see when you come out of both locker rooms and it, and it makes you think, you know, how lucky you are and how, you know, your life should have some meaning and purpose. And, and so, yeah, that's a big deal. But the thing about, it, if you go to Riverside today, Gary recorder sends me pictures of the weight room door of the, they've made lounges for players. They look like UT's lounges with all the, the things he's done, the carpeting and he's moved the the hall of fame with all the pictures over to the new locker rooms. And it's, it's insane what he's done, but I think he he knew that we felt you got to take care of your kids. I mean, we made them do fundraisers, but we spent a ton of money making them feel like they were important. We had carpet all the time that was new. We had college lockers. We had a state of the art weight room, and he's he's not only kept that up, but he's gone above and beyond. Because if you want your kids to play good, you need to make them feel good about what they're. I think he's got three helmets and four or five six color combinations. I always like the old school orange with the orange helmet, but man, he's got it going with all kinds, you know, these young guys, they do all this new stuff with color combinations and, you know, graphics and that kind of thing. But yeah, you, you might want to go down there sometime and look at what Gary's done. He's taken it to another level, but so proud of the community and, and the success. But yeah, the four, the 46 consecutive district wins to me is the one that I'm probably most proud of because I don't know if that will be broken because that was over a period from 99 to 2006. We lost the game in this game in 99. We lost one in 2006 and we didn't lose any between those 2001, two, three, four, and five. We had undefeated district season. So that was something that all the kids are proud of and I'm proud of. And, you know, it was a great accomplishment. Now we had Bob Osborne, the coach of baseball over at Burgess, the greatest ever as far as baseball. Of course, you have a great one there at Riverside with Jimmy Melendez and then, of course, Jim Forbes with basketball. But I told Coach Osborne I couldn't think of a team at that time or coaching staff because Burgess has Tony Harper in the Hall of Fame, basketball coach at that time, 
uh, along with John Burkhead, the football coach at that time, is in the Hall of Fame. But you look at Riverside, yourself, is in the Hall of Fame, have a field named after you there at the, at the Riverfront Stadium. Then you have Jimmy Melendez, the baseball coach. He's got the field there named after him. And Jim Forbes, the basketball coach, he's got the field named after I mean, the court named, uh, the, named after him. All three of you at Riverside at the, that time. Boy, that was special. Yeah, and they were all done at the same time. <laughs> it was it was quite a deal, but yeah, I worked with Coach Melendez on Coach James' staff. Jim Forbes and I taught history next door to each other for twenty years. I I love Jim. We we're still good friends. But yeah, what what an amazing time it was to be at Riverside because Ruben Rodriguez, who was the athlete of the year his senior year, who's the head coach at Eastlake now, he played for all three of us. He played baseball for Melendez, football for us, and. And he played for, for Jim Forbes and was a point guard on the Final Four basketball team. Yes. And, yeah, but Jim's, Jim, is his legend is beyond belief because he got a court named after him, and he's coaching for a rival team now. <laughs> I, don't know, exactly. I don't know how he swung that. <laughs> yeah, but he's done amazing things over there. He's just a phenomenal, phenomenal guy, Jim Forbes. Uh, I, I had so much fun being next to him for so many years. And, and we shared athletes. That, I think – you know, good coaching staffs, but hey, when everybody says when our season's over, they go to you. When your season's over, they go to the next one. That breeds success because we we definitely are our good players were their good players in basketball and in baseball also. So that was one of the big keys to success is not having selfish coaches and coaches that'll say, "Hey, we understand they've got a talent in this area. Take them." Definitely so. So again, Mr. Work, I can't. Thank you enough for coming on the podcast. What would you like to say as we wrap up to the Riverside Nation? Great things are on the horizon. I have total faith in Coach Recorder, and I know you know there were some down years recently, but through no fault of the Rangers, they had some great coaches and people were working hard. We just you know we're losing people in the community to other neighborhoods, and it's becoming an older community. But the Rangers are back, and the things that I felt back when I was there that I could never be replaced. I mean, that was a love affair, a great love affair of my life. And I couldn't thank the Riverside community enough for how they've enriched my life and the life of my family. And I can't wait to come back and be a part of the Renaissance that's going on there now. And I'm excited about it. Uh, I, I love El Paso. I miss El Paso. Oh, you have no idea. I miss, I miss so much. I miss all of you, but, I try to stay in touch and I, you know, try to keep up with what's going on, but I'm so grateful for this opportunity, Wayne. It's been uh, very emotional for me uh, going back and thinking about these things, but it's a love affair that defined my life. And I thank you for giving me this opportunity today. And thank you, Mr. Work and uh, all the very best to you and your family. And uh, please keep in touch. Come back to El Paso. Whenever you do, please let me know. And, it's, it's always good to listen and hear from you, the greatest of Riverside High School football coaches and, of course, uh, the greatest in El Paso, the most innovative coach you could ever want to see and uh, be able to witness what he did on the football field. Tom Work, ladies and gentlemen, none better. Thank you, Coach, for my, very much for being on the, the podcast. I thank you, Wayne. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. This has been great. Thanks so much. And, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for joining us as well. Welcome to the hall, the podcast for the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. Very much thanks to our very special guest, Mr. Tom Work. All the very best to you and yours. We'll see you next week right here on Welcome to the Hall.